Matthew chapter 12 is the verse that I I want to raise. I'm confident somewhere along the line, you've heard some of this in Christian circles. When an impure spirit comes out of a person, he goes through arid places or dry places, uh, seeking uh, rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house I left. And when it arrives, it finds the house unoccupied, swept, and put in order. Then it goes and gets, uh, uh, it takes uh, uh, with it seven other spirits more wicked than itself, and they go in and live there. And the final condition of that person is worse than the first. This is how it will be with this wicked generation. You know, this passage of Scripture makes people very anxious because there is this concern that if something was sorted out in my heart and then I trip and fall, is there a risk that I'll be worse than I was to begin with? And there is an idea in this passage of Scripture I really want to share with you that will be transforming about how we as Christians are different to everybody else, strange to everybody else in the world, but not strangers to one another or to the Word of God. We're family there. Can you say amen? And here's the thing. The most important part of that verse was the last verse. And so it shall be for everybody in this wicked generation. This passage of Scripture is not about Christians. This passage of Scripture is about people who don't have Christ. And it reflects the idea of a soul that is never satisfied. When you have one passion in your life and you're not a Christian and you push it as hard as you can and then you find it's unsatisfying, uh, that leaves you. Then there's another passion, a different interest, another preoccupation that comes and occupies your soul. But you can't get satisfied joy in your life. So your condition deteriorates. That's not the believer. You see, once we've come into faith, the Bible says we go from glory to glory. We have joy unspeakable and full of glory. The peace of God, uh, God guides or guards our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. We're not in danger of deteriorating. What's normal for us is things get better. What's normal for the world is things go from bad to worse. This idea is so crucially important because it is time for our strangeness as Christians to start shining a little. If you're joining in the momentum of the world out there that things are bad and only gonna get worse, you need to stop doing that. That is foreign language to the believer. Recently, I even had a chat with a pastor. We were having this conversation about how that, you know, it's a, a pastor that's involved with government and getting government to just relax. You know, well, okay, wait, wait, Uh, get more active in some things and then relax in other things, you know, Um, just just, just relax some regulations and then don't relax about the street lamps and the potholes and the bridge and anything else I want to add to the list because they're listening, eh, listening, Um, not even joking, hey? Um, not to relax about those. In fact, if anything, you know, get a bit of stress, but in the other areas to relax. And he said, he made this statement, he said, look, It's just going to get worse and worse, but all we can do is slow it down. 
And the, some of our pastors were in that meeting and that comment bothered me. I just let him talk and let him talk. And then at the end, because he's a friend of mine, I've known him for decades. I said, you know, just that comment, can I just tell you, you've been so busy working in the world to solve some of the problems in the world that you've adopted the mindset that things are doomed to get worse unavoidably. But that is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel of Jesus Christ, to be blunt, is but for the fact that we are there, it would get worse. But don't worry, we're here now. That's a powerful idea. This idea of surrendering to a failing system and just being driftwood in it is not the biblical truth. You're allowed to say, hey, it's tough. I've replaced my tires twice now coming to work at Father's house with that donga that exists. I, I can acknowledge that, you know, and it's a little, it's a little irritating. I'm seriously considering, you know, mountain biking to work. I'm seriously considering. I mean, I'm just up the hill here. If I just let go of the brakes, I could mountain bike all the way to work. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to accept it, but let me tell you what my heart tells me. My heart tells me that the Lord is working on a plan and His plan is an ever-increasing measure of the glory of God until it covers the earth as the waters cover the sea. That's clappable in a proper way, I reckon. <laughs> We're, we're giving up too much territory and surrendering too much and falling victim to the spirit of this world. And the spirit of this world is simply this, a spirit that can never be content or satisfied. Things are going to go from bad to worse for the heart that doesn't know true joy, true peace, true happiness, and true faith. Of course, because whatever you have, it won't be enough. One of the most powerful things you can do in becoming a Christian is to acknowledge the Lord is enough. What a great thing. You can almost say that about nothing else. Is your money enough? Probably not. Is your daughter enough? Never. I mean, unless you're an uncapped Wi-Fi when you're like grown up. Is is the political situation enough? No. Is the economic situation after? I mean, just think about the last week. Boris Johnson, out. Sri Lanka, swimming pool. Oh, you don't know about that. The people from Sri Lanka had enough of their, their president, so they kicked him out of his palace and then swam in his pool so that they could live stream it to him wherever he was. I mean, gangster. I mean, gangster. Like respect, like we're going to swim here in your pool, you must watch. And that's pretty much literally what happened. We've had nations shifting and changing. People who were heroes a year or two ago are now chased out of their own countries or are kicked out of their offices and posts. But you know, we serve a Lord who is King of Kings and Lord of Lords who was there before the first day and will be there after the last day of the temporal world. He's not starting and finishing. He is Alpha and Omega. There's something everlasting about that. We should own that and be considered a little weird. People say that ch Christians or churches are almost like little bubbles hiding us from the truth. No, we are not. We face the truth, but we face it with the confidence of a solution-based Savior. You face it with a weak 
insecurity of a human solution. And you're unhappy because you know it isn't gonna work, but you'll try. There's something about letting the Lord satisfy our soul. When we're not satisfied and nothing is pleasing to us, there are certain characteristics that come out in our lives. And I think it's important that we follow those characteristics and recognize them. Look at what happens to the believers at the feeding of the 5,000. In Luke chapter nine, the Bible says they all ate and were satisfied. The disciples picked up 12 baskets of broken pieces that were left over. One thing I can tell you about the faith, and I've been doing this faith journey quite a long time. It isn't always easy, but it can always be satisfying. I feel full in my heart. Isn't that like a cliche? My heart is full. You get a puppy, your heart is full. You see a nice sunrise, sunset, my heart is full. You're finally dating someone, my heart is full. Let me tell you, all of those things will leak. Surrender to the Lord and then say, my heart is full. My heart is full. Galatians chapter five, and I'm gonna read from the message and it's like, quite a chunky scripture, describes what happens to the world when the heart isn't satisfied. And when you can't be satisfied, it's a, I didn't even put all of it in, but it's really powerful. And if you ever want to cut and paste some part of scripture to memorize, share with a friend, this is a description of a world that has no satisfaction in the heart. It says this in Galatians 5 from 19 to 21. It is obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time repetitive, loveless, cheap sex. Do they just put that on one slide just like that? That's very blunt, eh? A stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage. Frenzied and joyless grabbing for happiness. Little trinket gods, magic show religion, paranoid loneliness, cutthroat competition, all consuming, and there it is, yet never satisfying wants. A brutal temper, and impotence to love or to be loved, divided homes and divided lives, small-minded, lopsided pursuits, the vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival, uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions, ugly parodies of community. And I could go on. This isn't the first time I've had to warn you, you know, if you, if you use your freedom this way, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. I mean, how many of you think that's a pretty powerful passage of Scripture? It, doesn't it describe the world? And isn't there a little bit of it that sometimes describes you? That's when I know I'm not in the will of God. When the, if you wanted a definition of knowing whether you were in the will of God or not, it's this. It's not an action. It's a state. When I am satisfied by the Lord, I am in the will of God. And when I am not satisfied by the Lord and desperately clamoring to be satisfied by something else, I'm not in the will of God. You see, if you make statements like, I can't live without her, then you've got to ask yourself, is that the will of God? Because you're putting your satisfaction for joy in another human being. But if you can say, I'm satisfied in the Lord, somebody else I meet is satisfied in the Lord, and the two of us together are now strong in the Lord. You go from satisfied to strong in the Lord. Now you have maturity to go where God intends to take you. 
But so many people trying to get strong are trying to find satisfaction in something else. Now you're all too young to know there was a whole song about this. I can't get no satisfaction. And some of you know it. How many of you have heard that song? Wow, I'm so impressed. How many of you have never heard it? You need to go YouTube and you need to get a, get a, no, shouldn't. Rather, rather YouTube songs of worship. Okay, okay. Vince will put a playlist on there on the satisfaction and joy and peace of the Lord. The point is, even secular music is trying to get its handle on what satisfies the heart. How are we strange? We're strange because we are content. Slap us on the one face, one cheek, we turn the other. Make us walk a mile, we'll walk too. To ask for our coat, you can have our shirt. You know why? I'm okay. I'm okay. But when you're not satisfied, everything is a competitive attack and everybody becomes a rival. There are a couple of characteristics that can so easily seep into our hearts. The whole world is trying to make you more like them. Resist. The world says, the more you have, the richer you are. The Bible says, that's not true. The more you are, the richer you are. Clappable moment. The world is so full of lies and tricks. In fact, someday I'm definitely going to do a message series titled, uh, The Algorithm is a Lie. I just can't believe how much stuff is out there. So this friend sends me a video the other day. They said, oh, look what this guy did with their bonsai. And they took this, it's a little mini tree. They took a saw and they cut it and they cut it and they cut it and they bent it over. They said, look how beautiful. Where's the after? Yeah, on that day, it's beautiful. That thing died. That's why there are no after. There's just that day. That day, nice music in the background. I was thinking, that thing died. You just don't know it. It's gotten so ridiculous now that there is a soap manufacturer in South Africa that is going to be taken to court because they've put a chemical in the soap that when you wash it under water, it makes the water a little bit brown so you can say, geez, that's a good soap. Everything is a lie. Now you come to church and you say, oh, you guys are deceived. You don't even know if your soap is soap. (laughs) Is it though? Really? In fact, my favorite comment in the comment section on most social media platforms is the person who finally says, a minute silence for those who thought this was real. Recently, I watched something on TikTok, two million views. It said, wow, look what I found in the dirt. It was like a diamond ring. Some of you have seen it, a whole lot of gold and thing. All the comments, wow, look what I found five minutes after I buried it. I mean, that thing was clean. They said, oh, it looks like it's got a big diamond before they got it out the soil. You don't think that comment should happen after? No, but while it's still in the soil. They buried it in order to TikTok film it, finding it, so you can go, I also want to be like that and find a diamond ring in the parking lot on the way out. You're living a lie. But because we've got such a desperate need for some kind of a special something to happen to us, we watch all this nonsense and we go, oh, one day, one day, it's going to happen to me. 
The whole world's life is on preset filters, but yours is in real color. No. This word is the truth, and that which is in the world is deception. And I'm not going to buy it. I'm not buying it. And I think it should set us apart and distinguish us as a little different to the rest of the world. I want to encourage you to stay the course and not let the spirit of this world invade your soul. There are a couple of ways the Bible tells us that might happen. Oh, I must, I'd like to finish in three minutes just to honor your time. First of all, don't develop a critical spirit. This is something that is characteristic of the spirit of this world. A critical spirit is something that can never be satisfied. You see, there are people out there, no matter what you do or say, or what happens, it's never gonna be nice, good, or joyful. I remember the moment this hit me, discovering what a critical spirit type person can be. Not in religious circles, not in stuff like that, just somebody who said, it never rains in the Eastern Cape. This is a couple of years ago. Then it rained, like it rained for five days. I said to him, look, it rained. He said, yeah, but now I've got to mow the lawn. It's growing now. <sighs> it's very tiring being around a critical spirit. How beautiful is the sunset? How it is hitting me in the eye, you know, it's a sore eye. You can't work with people like that. I'm quite confident. In fact, the Bible tells us, even Jesus had that spirit coming up against him. Jesus heals a man with a, with a shriveled hand. They said, oh, but you did it on a Sabbath. Wrong day. Didn't stop to say, wow, what a miracle. They just said, yeah, sorry, disqualifies because you did it on the wrong day. Critical spirits are very dangerous because they take your satisfaction away. And those of us who know and believe in the Lord are satisfied in our hearts. 3 John 1 says, when I came, when I come, I will call attention to what he's doing, this person in the church, spreading malicious nonsense about us, not satisfied with what he, uh, uh, not satisfied with that. He even refuses to welcome other believers. He also stops those who want to do so and puts them out of the church. So a situation that arisen that a person in a small church developed this critical spirit. And when a new person came, they'd tell them, I don't think you're one of us. And then if, say, Mike went to welcome the new person, he'd go to Mike and say, listen, Mike, if you're gonna invite people like that to church, I don't think you should be here either. And the author writes and says, that spirit, get it out. Everybody is welcome in the house of the Lord. And all of us should make everyone welcome in the house of the Lord. That's a critical spirit. Let me tell you what I've learned about a critical spirit. If you befriend them, it won't be long that you, then you will be their enemy. So if you agree with them, yes, so-and-so is a horrible person. And you agree with them, yes, that pastor is so-and-so. Careful. Because one day, when the critical spirit has finished eating everything else, they're going to eat you. It can never be satisfied. Secondly, the Bible says a careless mouth can't be satisfied. Not just in food. Everyone trolls for their mouths, says Ecclesiastes. But Proverbs 27 says, hell has a voracious appetite and lust just never quits. 
if you've ever been in an environment of an addictive emotion, just can't be satisfied. Ever been in love with somebody and you're like, can't wait to see them? And then when you see them, you're worried that you're not gonna see them. And then as soon as they leave, you miss them. And everything around your life is this equation of satisfaction, dissatisfaction based on the distance. But even when you're with them, you're worried, how long do I have left? Then they have to go, then I'm gonna miss them. And so the dissatisfaction, satisfaction equation keeps hurting you. You don't know the Lord. Because when the Lord fills your heart, those things settle. And you're able to fully be the person God designed you to be in the relationship God designed for you. And you wouldn't be tricked by a spirit that is careless. There's one more thing. I really, I'm going to get to it and then share with you the one big consequence, positive consequence of being satisfied in the Lord. There's one more thing the Bible says can never be satisfied. I've called it a cash convict. That's a prisoner to cash. Do you know the Bible literally says cash, money never satisfies? Ecclesiastes 5.10 says whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with his income. This too is meaningless. I don't know if you've ever, I mean, eventually, I, um, I stopped following, I unfollowed some people on social media because I could tell that that's not true. You know, the Louis Vuitton logo shouldn't peel in the sun. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> this one friend, they own a car dealership in the city and they've got all these fancy cars that they sell. And they were telling me about their frustration with social media. I said, why? And they said, well, I think I've told you some of you the story before. I said, no, because people now are coming in and they're asking if they just take photos next to the expensive car. But what they actually do is they buy from, take a lot, empty bags of expensive brands. Just the bag with the name on the outside. Empty put newspaper inside and then they come to the dealership and they take a photo of themselves getting out of the car with the empty bags. Really? Hashtag Forex, work from home, ask me how. <laughs> come on. Stop it. Now I've seen the same size eight shoe on five, six different influences. You're not even a size eight, but you're swapping it for the photo shoot. What is going on? Now you're telling me the church is outdated, but I'm supposed to believe that that is cool. It's a lie. I won't believe a lie. It won't satisfy. It is untruthful. But the Lord is my strong tower. He is more than enough as it rains. Come on. <laughs> and meets my every need. There is one more verse. Hebrews 11 verse 3. 
the person who seeks the Lord will always be satisfied. But without faith, it is impossible to please God for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I feel my life is rewarding because I seek the Lord. Not because I got something from the Lord. The process of seeking the Lord is very rewarding. Can you say amen to that? I'm, the rain is louder than the clapping. I, how many of you would like me to continue to preach until it subsides a bit for your hair's sake? Done. In any other way can I serve you? How may I be of service to you? <laughs> I would like for us to stand and pray together. Are you satisfied in your heart? Are you acknowledging or happy to recognize that true internal satisfaction comes from seeking the Lord and receiving Him? And that all the other stuff out there, the trouble with this world is that everything else is unsatisfying. It is just satisfying for a season. I would love to take a moment to pray and make sure that we've placed our, our peace and joy on the right firm foundation. The Lord satisfies like nothing else does the condition of your heart. So let's pray. I wonder if, I mean, this is a good moment with the rain sort of hiding us away from overexposure, but if you'd close your eyes for a moment and just acknowledge you know, I got here tonight, maybe this is your language. I got here tonight and I do feel a bit empty. A bit like I can't get enough of whatever it is I need to be okay. If you're here tonight and you're in that space, I really, I really want to be able to pray with you or for you. And all I, I want is an action. And you might think, what's the point of an action? Do you know, it's saying it to yourself that settles it sometimes. Just say, hey, self, pay attention. This is for you. And if that's the space you're in, just an acknowledgement and say, George, when you pray, include me in your prayer about this. I need to get this right. I feel a dissatisfaction in my heart and it's getting worse and worse and everything I try just goes from bad to worse. I need to find peace and joy and satisfaction in the Lord. That's where you're at. Why don't you just raise your hand long enough for me to see it and acknowledge it. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to get into out of the light. Thank you. Uh, just thank you so much. Thank you. Just long enough for me. Thank you. I, I'm going to put a verse, a bigger part in a prayer up on the screen. And I wonder if uh, while we're uh, praying, you would say it. Uh, it's a verse that comes out of a, a, a Bible verse, really. Uh, it's a prayer that was written out of a Bible verse in John chapter 5. And really all it is, is a statement from you to God saying, I believe you. So that from now on, whenever he says and leads and guides and directs, you say, yes, I believe you. I don't believe the lies and I don't believe my own heart. It is unreliable. And the world is <laughs> making fake soap. So I need something a little bit more stable to build my peace on. So let's pray that prayer. I'll do it out loud for you, but you can just repeat it. Uh, in your heart or even out loud. Dear Jesus, uh, 
You said in the Bible that whoever hears your words and believes God sent you to set me free from my debts of sin has eternal life and will not be judged but is crossed over from death to life. I confess that I believe you and receive salvation from my sins and new life in my soul. I too now cross over from death to life. Amen. Before we rush off, you wanna clap for that? Sure. Before we rush off, let me pray the peace of God over you. Lord, thank you that nothing satisfies like a spiritually full soul, a heart in a good place, a mind steadfast and steady upon you. Will you please bring us to perfect joy? Will you please bring us to perfect peace and satisfy us in our hearts as we reject the deceptions of the world's attempt at satisfaction. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.